Hey everyone, welcome to the Hug Church Podcast. You're listening to episode number seven. My name is Eunice Park and my husband Eddie and I started Hug Church with a vision to create a community of healing, unconditional love, and growth. Did you guys catch that right there? That was the acronym for H-U-G. Well, we're located in the heart of downtown Fullerton and want to welcome all you locals to join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. So we are finally in a new series and it's titled Simplified. So Eddie started off his message by putting up an image of a woman on the screen. And he asked the question, who is she? And he said, Marie Kondo. So I had no idea who this person is other than my wife uh, has embodied her for the past few years or so. Okay, And so I watched a show with her. It's quite boring, actually. (laughs) I can't get into it. All right. But, you know, it's funny how everyone is like living this show out without really watching it. It's one of those weird things. Right. And I remember the first episode, I was like, I didn't know she was Japanese for one. Okay. And, uh, you know, to be quite honest and vulnerable, I saw the first episode and I was like, whoa, this girl is so attractive. (laughs) Okay. And I'm like, why is she so attractive? And I realized because I married Marie Kondo. Okay. It was like, oh my gosh, she talks like my wife. She has mannerisms like my wife. She is my wife. All right. My wife has been Marie Kondo. So I've, 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 uh, you know, I was like, oh, that's why. Okay. But the reason why I mentioned Marie Kondo, okay, is because I got this question on Instagram, okay? And I thought that this would be a cool thing to do, like do like ask uh, uh, um, Q&A on Sundays because somebody had this question and uh, I realized that maybe it's good to uh, answer it on Sunday because maybe, maybe more people have this question. And this is the question by this anonymous person, okay? What do you think of Marie Kondo and minimalism? Is minimalism a Christian idea? If so, how do we connect it to our faith? All right? And hashtag ask Eddie Pork at Eddie Pork. Okay? If you have questions, you want to DM a question, you can ask Eddie Pork. All right? There you go. It's a little plug there. Um, but I was like, this is great. You know why? Because we're actually doing a series right now called Simplify. And I'm actually going to talk about this. I'm actually going to talk about this a little bit today. And, and the reason why I, I called it Simplify, I, I have this tag, going from confusion, you can put up the, 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 the slide up here, going from confusion to clarity. We just finished a series on vision. And a lot of what I'm hearing is the biggest problem is people are confused with their lives. People, it's not clear for them what, they, what their vision is. It's so difficult to, to even commit to something that they want, okay? And a lot of this reason is because most of us, I think, in this room are the millennial generation, okay? And this is unfortunate because the millennial generation, well, the fortunate part is we have, I'm a millennial, by the way, the millennials have, uh, have more options in life than any other generation or people group in history, right? We have more options because you can buy anything with a payment, with no interest, 
right? So you can literally buy something for $30,000 and pay two bucks a month for the rest of your life or something like that, right? Marketers have made it so that we have access. We have, we can get anything we want. We can have anything we want. We can go into debt as much as we want, right? To get any. And so we have all these options, but here's the thing. There is something called the paradox of choice, Have you ever heard that before? The paradox of choice? Having too many options actually creates confusion. It actually, in confusion, one of the side effects is it causes you to be um, paralyzed. It causes you to be unclear. It causes you to doubt. It causes you to not act. It causes so many things. And so let me give you an example. If anybody has a job and you are confused about what that job is, like the goal of it. Have you ever felt that way? Like, what is my actual goal? And then you go through one year and you don't get promoted. And you're like, why didn't I get promoted? And you're like, well, it's because you didn't do X, Y, and Z. It's like, well, you never told me that. That's not, that's not clear, right? I feel really bad for our worship pastor, Eric, because I, was, uh, I used to be a worship pastor. And that job is the most confusing goals possible, okay? Because it's very subjective. What what makes a good worship leader? What makes a good worship set? Is it the amount of tears that come out on Sunday? Is it the amount of hands that go up? Is it how loud the drums are? Is it how tight the set? It's so many things, right? It's like confusing. What is the goal, okay? You know, and if you feel like that way, like if if you pivot, you know those people that quit a job and get a new job like every other month or so. Like they pivot their careers. Like one month they're in sales, and the other they're like in health and nutrition or something like that. They pivot. We have that option and that that choice. However, however, it is very important, okay, to build, especially if you're heading into your 30s. Okay, anybody close to 30 or in their 30s? Yeah, it's very, very important to build in your 30s. You know why? Because I hang out with a lot of people in their 40s. And something that I, something that I sense in everybody in their 40s and 50s is there's this burning desire and itch to deconstruct something. They want to take something apart in their 40s and 50s. And if they haven't built anything with their career or their life or their wealth, guess what? They tend to deconstruct themselves. They deconstruct their life. This is kind of why people have something called a midlife crisis, okay? Midlife crisis. When you have not spent your life building something that you are proud of, then you can deconstruct it and take it apart. But if you have not done that, if you've pivoted too many times because of this thing called choice and options, you tend to deconstruct something like your family, your marriage, yourself, your health, your money. So this is a, just a little bit of a warning sign. This is because I hang out with too many people in their, that are in their 40s and 50s that deconstruct, right? Again, confusion. Have you been in a relationship where, like, it's confusing? Like, does he like me? Do I like her? Am I the one to her? Is she the one for me? Is he the one? Are we going to get married? Say you're married. Are we going to have kids? When are we going to have kids? Like, I am, I am the leader of my family, and and if I'm not clear to my wife, if it is confusing, what are we saving all this money for? If it is not clear to her, she's just going to run up that card on Costco, guys. Just like 100 bucks at a time. If it's not clear, if she's confused, she's like, well, I don't know where you're leading us, okay? 
And, and, and then even with faith in church, right? Confusion causes a lot of doubt. What do I even believe? Right? Which denomination should I join? We tend to make things overcomplicated. And again, confusion causes paralysis. Confusion causes chaos. Confusion causes a lot of stress and anxiety. And so I've entitled this, this, this whole series, Simplify It, going from confusion to clarity so that we, we can get out of this confusion. All right? But here, here, here's the question. When it comes to faith, why, why should we simplify our lives when it comes to our faith, okay? And, and uh, this is the question that we're going to answer today. And, and I want us to go through a, a passage of Scripture where Jesus says that even the simple word of God, the simple gospel, is confusing to people. And he says, and he, he goes through why that is, all right? And that comes from the passage of the parable of the sower, okay? Anybody know that story, the parable of the sower? It's also called the parable of the four soils. And we're going to read together this passage from Luke chapter 8. So Luke chapter 8. So a farmer, this is Jesus telling a story. A farmer went to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path. It was trampled on. And the birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more that was sown. And Jesus tells the interpretation or the meaning behind this passage. All right, And it says this. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. The second type of seed. Those who are on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell on among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. And lastly, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. And so we're going to go to the whiteboard here. And... And kind of go through these four soils. Again, I like to call this the parable of the four soils other than the sower, okay? Because it's really the soils that are the focal point of this parable, okay? And so first, first soil we have what? It was called the path, okay? Right? So let's do, let's do, this is the ground, this is the soil, Okay? Okay, so the path, okay, so the path, what was the description of the path? It was, it's pat, they're, they're, it, it, it hits the ground, the seeds hit the ground, but they don't go inside. Why? Because this is so cracked and dry, right? And so the birds just come up and eat it up, 
right? And then the second type of uh, soil is rocky. That's right. We're trying to be simple here, right? Path, rocky, right? One word. So, it, it, so the seed actually falls in, but because there's so many stones in the soil, roots can't grow deep. So when there's a, a flower, okay, oh yeah, right? It just, it just dies. Okay, it just dies. Let me let me make this a little bit more dramatic here. All right, I'll make the the center big like a face. Okay, it dies. Okay, um, and then. The, the third, or wait, well, I'll describe the rocky one, for, for instance. The rocky soil is like those who are like in youth group, right? And they like receive the word of God and the gospel, and they got super like passionate about it, and their life was all good, but the first thing that happens, boom, they get punched in the face in life, and they're like, I don't know if this God thing was real, right? And they just kind of fall away, all right? That's kind of the rocky soil. They, they haven't experienced adversity, all right? And the first minute that life becomes hard because of the word or because of the, the, the life that they've chosen, they abandon it. Okay? That's the rocky soil, to be a little bit more descriptive. Okay? Third type of soil is thorns. Very good, class. Thorns. Okay? So this has no rocks in the soil. The seeds can fall and actually build some roots. Okay? But when... Uh, let's do the same type of plant, okay? All right? It's kind of like, meh, because there's all these, like, weeds and thorns in these things that choke the plant and causes it not to bear fruit, okay? Again, this is like the person who's, like, a good, good person, right? Good soil. They can handle adversity, but the way that they've structured their life, like, people, things... It's not healthy. It's not conducive for fruit to grow, okay? So this is kind of an a, a, um, um, external circumstances are, 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 are hard in this sense, okay? And then we have good, right? We have good soil, okay? And then um, there's roots, right? Yay, happy, good, all right? So, I want to simplify this story a little bit. Did you catch that? Yeah, all right. So, we're going to simplify the story a little bit. Okay, so, and this might be an oversimplification, but um, one of the reasons why the Word of God or the gospel becomes confusing when it lands on different types of soil, okay, is because... I mean, let's, let's face it, right? None of us are really this right now, right? You came to church, so you probably are not this, okay? And we're all striving to this, but it's really hard to say. No one is confidently saying, I'm great soil. I'm good, right? Okay? Most of us, if you're a human being, fall in these two categories, all right? Rocky, thorny. Rocky, thorny. We are in these two categories. And the reason why we cannot grow, the reason why we don't produce fruit is because of two things. It's either 
our internal life is not healthy, or if you're thorny, it is our external life. All right? So you look at this and you think it's a smiley face up here because it has some fruit, but really this person is sad deep down inside. Okay? I'm oversimplifying it here. Okay? And then here the roots are good, the soil is good, but up here there's no fruit. Sad. Up here, smiley face, smiley face. Sad face. Sad face. All right. I know it's like, it's like children's drawings, but I'm simplifying it in a way where you understand and can remember it, okay? So this is, this is the area that we're dealing with. Vision had a lot to do with the rocky soil, okay? Because these rocks have to do with our stories, our self-esteem, all right? Dep- mental health, depression, anxiety has to do with the inner life, okay? And there needs to be transformation in the stories that we tell about ourselves and what we believe. That was vision series, all right? This simplify series will focus on the thorny soils and the external life. Does that make sense? The external life. What are all the things that you need to cut out of your life? What are all the things that you need to declutter from your life? Who are the people that you need to distance or even say goodbye to in your life? The physical ecosystem, the social ecosystem, the spiritual ecosystem that you have in your external life that need to be cut out. The reason why we call it simplify is because when people hear cutting things out of their life, it's so abrasive And so it causes a little trauma a little bit. They don't want to feel like they're getting rid of things, but we're not. We are simplifying things, okay? We're not not cutting things out for the sake of cutting out. We are simplifying things in our lives, okay? So we are going to focus on these external systems. But here's the thing. What is this all for? What is this all for? To produce good fruit. To produce good crop and be able to multiply. Now, how many of you are confused at what that is? Right? So in order to even want to take out the thorns in your life so that you can produce good fruit and good crop... You need to be clear and not confused on what the good fruit is, correct? So let's do that, okay? Let's take some cl- time to clarify what it is, and I've, and I've done it for you, okay? So there are technically five, five uh, things that the Bible would consider to be fruit, okay? And the reason why you're confused is because it means different things in different passages. So we're going to look at all the ways, okay? And I've kind of boiled it down to five, all right? The first type of fruit that is mentioned in the Bible is donation, okay? When it talks about fruit is the amount of wealth that you can distribute, okay? It's the amount of wealth that you can give away for the sake of somebody else. That is, that is good fruit, okay? 
that is a good fruit in this life. And it comes from, uh, I think, Romans, right? Passage, Romans 15, 28. Therefore, when I have finished this and have put my seal on this fruit, carpe, okay, or carp, uh, of theirs, that's Greek, by the way, I will go on by way of you to Spain, okay? And again, every other translation other than the NASB, NASB is probably one of the most literal uh, word-by-word translations. Every, every other translation has money, contribution, funding, donation, okay? So there's, a, there's this uh, idea that fruit out of a person's life is how much wealth they can give away, distribute, okay? Not, you don't have to give it away everything, but again, that is a sign of fruit that comes out of your life. That is one definition of fruit, and I'd say the most surface level, okay? Number two, the second thing of fruit in someone's life is this idea of giving thanks to God. You know when a, an awards person or celebrity wins an Oscar or an Academy Award and they publicly give thanks to God as cliche and as, um, I don't know what you think of it, as whatever you think of it is, that is also a sign of fruit. When somebody can actually give thanks to God, can publicly praise God, that is also another thing that the Bible describes as fruit of a person's life. Let's look at Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13 says this, Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Again, another sign of fruit is how much you are giving thanks to God, publicly and to yourself, all right? Third type of fruit. I'm going to blaze through this really quick, all right? A disciple. If you produce a disciple in your life, that is another sign of fruit. That is another physical fruit in your life, okay? And Paul says this, I want you to know, to Romans, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit, just as I have seen among other Gentiles. The spiritual fruit that he wants to see are the people that he converted the people that he mentored, the people that he discipled and wants to see how they've grown, okay? So another fruit that the Bible talks about is a disciple, someone that you've mentored, coached, led, developed, a disciple of yours. That's another sign of fruit that, that, that is talked about, all right? When we talk about fruit and yield, it's people who you've raised up. Number four, good works. This is something that probably we connect with more or intuitively know. Fruit is also good works. And we come from Colossians, I think. Yep, Colossians chapter 1, 10. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Again, good fruit of a person, of a disciple, of a follower of Jesus is good works. Good humanitarian, you are someone that makes the world a better place, okay? You alleviate pain and suffering in this world. Good works is a part of good fruit. Don't, don't think that it's not. Don't think we get a hall pass in doing good works, okay? That's another thing that we are assigned to do. Number five, lastly, lastly, this is the most obvious, but I would say most powerful. And, and the reason why I say love slash self-control Normally, this would be the fruit 
of the Spirit, if you've ever heard of that. And it comes from the fruit of the Spirit, but we'll read it from Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Notice how love is first and self-control is last. That's kind of a thing when you write, okay, things. When you bookend something, there is something special about that. But the reason why I call out love and self-control is because when we see these descriptions of fruitfulness again in Second Peter, it's the only things that are mentioned again. Okay, this is, there's significance about those two things. Second Peter chapter 1, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection. This is phileo, all right, brotherly love, and brotherly affection, phileo, with love for everyone, agape love. So love and self-control seem to be the, the sign of fruitfulness, okay? And we go uh, uh, further, I think, in this, and the NLT says this, Verse 8, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your, in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to repeat that again. The more you grow like this, the more fruit you produce, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of the Lord. And I'll read a different translation. This might hit you a little differently because people are People uh, or connect and resonate with different ways of saying things and hearing things from the Bible, right? So the ESV has the same thing, all right? For you, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, being ineffective. And unfruitful, again, it's the, the core word here is fruit. Fruit is how much you give wealth away, the ability to give wealth, all right? Number two, uh, um, number two was what again? <laughs> what was it? Giving thanks, giving praise to God. Number three, a disciple that you raise up. Number four, good works. You are humanitarian contribution to the world. And number five, this, this ideology that you spread of love and self-control. Again, we want to produce good fruit because, because fruit causes us to be someone who is effective who is productive, who has an impact. So why should we, why do we need to simplify our lives through this series? Why are we going to spend so much time trying to simplify and remove the excess? Is because of this. We need to simplify to be more productive. And for some of us, that hits us, and it's like, ooh, if you're like my wife, you're like, yeah, right? For some of us, they're like, oh. Well, if it, that, that word doesn't hit you, then we need to simplify to be effective. Do you want to live a life where you are ineffective? No, we need to simplify so that we can be effective. And for me, this is my personal favorite one, this idea, but we need to simplify to make an impact. I want to make an impact here on earth with my life.
And unfortunately, this is what we signed up for. As followers of Jesus, our calling, our identity, our results are this good fruit. I don't know how much of all of it is. Maybe some of us are going to be stronger in a few of the five or maybe just one. But again, it's this idea that, that we simplify to be good soil so that we can be effective, that we can be productive, that we can be impactful. How many of you want to be more productive in your life? How many of you want to be more effective in your life? How, do, how many of you want to make more of an impact in the days that you're living? Then simplifying, cutting the thorns out that choke and restrict your fruit, your life, is important. One of our visions here for this series is to actually purge or get rid of 5,000 items. Whoa, you think that's a lot? But three of us already have done 500, okay? <laughs> All right? And, and this is something that I've always wanted to do. I have a hard time because I was a hoarder. I am not now, okay? And, and, and I, will, I will say that this simple thing of detaching myself from my past, detaching myself from material things and objects, detaching myself from image, because these things that we have and we hold on to, it's a part of us. It's a part of our image that we want to project, right? It's status. The more and more that we can detach ourselves from image, what people think about us, the clothes that we wear, the shoes that we rock, the car that we drive, the Louis Vuitton bag, right? I don't have any, but some people do, all right? The more that we can detach ourselves from stuff, possibly fruit may be able to grow and bear. That we can be this productive, effective, impactful person that God is calling us to be. So I want to encourage you, all right, as we do this, this year, purging, decluttering 5,000 items as a, as, a, as a collective church and community, okay? I, you know, I would love to hear the, the stories of impact this is making in your life, all right? And the easy way to do it is um, you can just hashtag, all right? You can put up a post on social media and hashtag. What are we going to hashtag? Simplify? No, just hashtag hug church, okay? Hug church, okay? It's hashtag hug church, tag them. You know, you can put it on story, you can put it on your post, you can put it on whatever. But post a story of what this is doing for you, how simplifying, decluttering is making an impact and helping you become more effective, productive, impactful. That is how it is affecting your spiritual life and your walk with Christ as well. Post that up because those stories we want to collect, we want to share them here and encourage us to really live this way. Amen? Can we do that? Awesome. Let's pray together. Thanks so much for listening, and we want to invite you to stay connected with us. Find us on Instagram at HugChurch or at HugChurch.com. Lastly, if you enjoyed this, won't you hit that lovely subscribe button and leave us a comment? We would absolutely love to connect. Well, until next week, a huge hug from Eddie and myself.